A reading from 1 John, chapter 1, verse 5, to chapter 2, verse 2, page 986 in your Bibles. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Morning. Let's just start with the video. Who the heck are you? Okay, what are you talking you about? I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not. Why, of course I am! <laughs> well, if you're Santa, what song did I sing for you on your birthday this year? Uh, happy birthday, of course! <laughs> uh, so, uh, how old are you, son? Four. You're a big boy. What's your name? Paul. And uh, what can I Paul, get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Buddy, who is uh, played by, uh, forgot his name, Wolf Hare, that's it. Uh, he's an elf who lives in the North Pole and has seen the real Santa. So when he comes to see Santa in this uh, shopping mall, he realizes that this isn't the real Santa. And he tries to ask, ask him questions, right, about what he's saying for uh, his birthday. And, and, and the real, the fake Santa has to come up with lies. You know how one lie leads to another? And because of this, Buddy says to Santa, you sit on the throne of lies. We think that it's just this one innocent lie. But that lie, in order to stay a lie, needs to be propped up by more and more lies. This man who pretended to be Santa can only pretend for so long. I mean, 
Imagine he tried to live his life as Santa. Maybe he grew out his beard, gained some weight, right? Tried to be all jolly. You could imagine him driving and, and you know, being all ho, ho, ho. And, and, and then as soon as someone cuts him off, right? And he gives them a, a, a different kind of wave, right? Boom, he gets caught for who he really is. Eventually, all those lies would catch up to him and he would be found out. There's a, a writer and a humorist named Mark Twain. I, I don't know if you've heard of him. And he has this saying that I thought was pretty, pretty uh, point on. He says, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Right? Because if we lie, we have to keep track of our lies and remember, oh yeah, I, 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 had, I made that lie, so now I have to cover that with this lie. But if, if you just tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. You could just be yourself, live your life as you would, and don't have to keep track of all the lies you have made to cover up for that one lie. I heard a story about a girl who wanted to fit in in her school, so she told all of her friends that she was very rich. So, you know, she talked about how she has such a big house, how much money her parents made, and so on and so forth. And she kept up this lie for a long time. But one day, she was at the grocery store with her friends or at a convenience store and wanting to buy some uh, snacks, and she had some change in her pocket. When she took out her money, the change fell on the floor. In fact, she wasn't rich. She was really poor. And so then she was searching for her coins, and, and, the rich, and her friends are like, ah, oh, just leave it. It's nothing. It's just like 50 cents. And she's like, I can't leave that. I'm dirt poor. And so she got caught and had to live with the consequences of her lie. Imagine living your whole lie, whole life with a li in a lie. Can you imagine how exhausting that would be? How long can you keep up the lie until it comes out? We are in this series called God is Good, where we're looking at how we can work towards a, a building a culture of goodness. We're using a book called, a church called Tov, Tov in Hebrew meaning good, and we started with uh, the truth that God is a good God, and it is because He is good, we are made good and are called to pursue goodness. We've been looking through the circle of Tov, or nurturing, which is called Nurturing Habits of Goodness. And uh, in the first week, we looked at uh, how we need to nurture empathy. Uh, second week, we looked at how we nurture grace. Last week, we, we looked at how we put people first. And this morning, we will examine how we are to be people who tell the truth. The book, of, uh, the book called Church Called Tov was written in response to the fall of Christian leaders, such as Bill Hybels, who covered up abuses in the church and how a toxic church culture spins stories and creates false narratives as a way to protect and deny what had happened. This isn't a church-only issue, though, as we have seen a number of scandals and cover-ups in, in many different industries, whether it's Harvey and Weinstein uh, and the Me Too movement to that of the Hockey Canada and, and the slush funds that they have for payouts and non-disclosure agreements. We have seen how the truth was buried and covered up with false narratives. But as the saying goes, the truth will eventually come out and did come out what was hidden in the darkness has come to the light just because those cover, these cover-ups still happen in so many different facets of our society, though, doesn't excuse the church, but should be a warning for us to see how easily we can suppress the truth. 
And as a group of people who believe to be in the light, we are to nurture and work towards being a community that live in the light. In the passage that was read to, uh, to us by Tara, we see John speaking about the message that was first heard. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. The Apostle John, who most likely wrote uh, the the three letters of John, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, says that this is the message that was first heard. God is light, and there is no darkness at all. Where did John hear this message before? In the Gospel of John, which is also written by John, we see Jesus stating in John chapter 8, verse 12, that he is the light of the world, and whoever follows him will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus refers to himself as the light of the world, and in this instance, speaks of light and truth interchangeably. Verse 5, 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 5, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness... We lie and do not live out the truth. Did you see that same phrase in John chapter 8, 12 and John chapter, 1 John 1, 5? Walk in darkness. Walk in the darkness. In John 8, 12, Jesus says that I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you will never walk in darkness. Here in 1 John chapter 1, 5, we see John saying the same thing about who Jesus is. Jesus is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. In the Bible, when someone is talking about walking in something, it means to say that they're living in that way. So what John says here is that, uh, that if we say we have a relationship with God and yet walk in the darkness, that is, if we are living in darkness, we are lying to ourselves and to those who are around us. And the reason why we are called liars or become liars is because of who God is. God is light and in him there is no darkness. God is a God of truth and not of lies. Not of lies. If God is a God of truth, who is the one that doesn't tell the truth? Do you know who sits on the throne of lies? We call him Satan. He's known as the father of lies. We see, Satan lying, we see Satan lying to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And we see Satan tempting Jesus in the wilderness with half-truths and lies. John's argument here is that if we say we believe in the light, then we will live as people who will tell the truth. If, if we live our lives lying, that we then are not following God, but rather the ways of the devil. We are called to be people who tell the truth because we believe in the God of truth. So John isn't saying anything new here in 1 John, but is reminding his audience about the message that they had heard before. In the Gospel of John, listen to what Jesus says to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, Nicodemus and Jesus have this conversation where Nicodemus wants to know uh, what being born again is. And this is in John chapter 3, verse 19 to 21, which is right after the famous verse we all know, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And this is what he says in verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. 
Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they had done has been done in the sight of God. Do you see what Jesus says here in verse 20? 20, verse 20 Everyone who does evil hates the light because they fear that their deeds will be exposed. Will be exposed. And isn't this how we feel sometimes? I mean, do I really want all my deeds and my thoughts exposed? Would I want people to really know who I am or what I'm thinking? Like, how scary is that? As we have seen in the last few years, truth has a way of coming out. Is it possible that truth has a way of coming out because God is a God of truth? If Jesus is the way, the life, and the truth, is there some force behind the truth that is pushing for the truth to come out? Is it possible that God cares about the truth and therefore there is this sort of energy in the truth and that truth cannot stay hidden without exerting energy to suppress it? John says that those who live by the truth walk in the light. Now, this truth isn't just about knowing what is right and wrong. It is knowing and following Jesus who is the light of the world. It is through our relationship with Jesus who is the truth, that we can live as people of truth and honesty. According to McKnight and Beringer, who wrote that book, Church Called Tov, one of the indicators, indicators of whether or not a church is toxic or good is by their response to an allegation. They write that if the response to allegations are in confession and repentance or a commitment to finding out the truth if the truth hasn't been uh, if the facts are not yet known, that church probably has a healthy church culture. But if the first response is denial or some type of spin on the story, there are toxic elements working in that church's culture. Now, if we are honest with ourselves, most of us, when we are first accused of anything, our natural response is to be in denial or to protect ourselves. Not that I do this well, but when I'm given negative feedback, I have to remind myself not to get defensive or to have, have an argument for my actions. I have to take a step back and to listen carefully so not as to respond with some rationale for my actions or even going on the attack. I don't know if you ever find yourself doing this where you belittle that person. Maybe not to their face, or not, not to anyone else, maybe you don't say anything, but you make a mental note that, oh, this person, you know, he's always, compla he's always complaining. Or, you know, this person, just they don't know what they're talking about. They're never in the know of things. They, they just, you know, right? Like, we, we write them off as if they're the ones that um, are in the wrong or whatever they say isn't really true because we are in denial. So how do we cultivate and become a group of people who can nurture truth and respond without being so defensive? 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. One of the reasons why John wrote this letter was that there was a group of people who were teaching a different kind of message than the message that they first heard. 
And one of the things that they were saying was that because of their special knowledge and experience of Jesus, that they were now sinless. They kind of separated what was physical and what was spiritual. And so now it really didn't matter what they did. So there were a group of people who would say, well, then, you know, we, we can't uh, live in anything in the world. We need to be very spiritual. And then, but then there were others who were saying, well, you know what? Because anything material really doesn't matter, I could do whatever I want. So sin, no sin, it doesn't matter. I could just live any way I want because I'm already, I've already reached that next level. But this message went against what Jesus was all about. Jesus did not come for those who thought they didn't need him, but rather came for those who, were, uh, who considered uh, themselves as sinners, who were weak, who were sick, who needed a savior. To deny that we are without sin is to deny the truth of our need for a savior. Have you ever thought about this? Confession does not become confession unless we tell the truth. If we're not honest with God or if we're not honest with ourselves, then our confession is just, again, half lies or, or we're spinning the story so we don't look as bad or feel as bad. How can we ask for forgiveness if we are not honest? And let me just tell you, one thing that you need to know about pastors and leaders, we are all sinners. That I've made mistakes and done evil things. I have not always lived in the light. Even when I do, I fall and make mistakes. I'm proud and at times it's, it's so hard for me to accept my, my own mistakes. I can get defensive. I've lied and have done things I'm not proud of. But the truth is that we are all with sin. All of us have come to this place as a community, not because we are perfect, not, but because we all need a Savior. We come to church not to show off our righteousness, but we come broken and hurt. Henry Nouwen says that we are all broken, yet he says that in order for us to embrace who we truly are, we cannot hide our brokenness or run away from it, nor can we deny it. Rather, we need to face our brokenness. We need to face our sins. It is only when we can put that under God's grace and forgiveness that we can find our way out of it. If we claim to be followers of Jesus and are the children of light, it means that we are to live in the light. Living in the light is demonstrated not by denial of sin, but by confessing and abandoning it. Abandoning it. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you look at this circle of Tov that we've been looking at, it will be hard for you to see, but under tell the truth, under the section of tell the truth, you can see below there that we are to tell the truth and resist false narratives. But then it says, we are to form or we are to know Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. Does anyone know what Yom Kippur is? It's another way, uh, a word that we use, another phrase for it is called Day of Atonement. And it's a Jewish holiday, an annual holiday that is still practiced to this day. And is, it is one of the most holy days of the year. And it's the day in which the whole nation gathers together in community to confess their sins. 
It was a day set aside for fasting, prayer, and for sin confessions, public and private. And the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies only once a year during this time to offer up sacrifices for the sins of the nation. This was done not because God needed to be appeased of his anger, but rather because he is a good God who wants to forgive us and restore us from the power and effects of sin. It's not that God needs to feel better by us asking for forgiveness, but he knows that we ourselves need to be forgiven, that sin has that impact and effect in our lives, and that we ourselves need to be released from sin. God is not holding sin over our heads, but rather we ourselves need to be free from sin because it's good for us. One of the ways in which we can continue to build a culture and be a people of Tov is by practicing confession that comes with truth-telling. McKnight and Beringer makes the connection between Yom Kippur and the Christian season of Lent. You know, Lent is the 40 days before Easter where people will fast as a way to recognize uh, our need for Jesus before Easter and to follow Jesus to the cross. It looks forward to Good Friday where the death of Jesus and the shedding of his blood cleanses us and frees us from the power of sin. Not only that, Easter points to the new reality in that Jesus is the risen Messiah, the Son of God, who is the life, truth, and the resurrection. And as some of you may have noticed, even today on Sunday, we take time to confess our sins to God together as a community. We confess our individual sins and our corporate sins. And we do this in community because we recognize that our sins are not just against God, but also with one another. So not only do we have this yearly rhythm of Lent, of confession, but we also have this weekly rhythm as a way to cultivate this habit of confession. Now, I don't know about you, it's really easy for me to confess my sins to God. Right? It's me. It's between me and God. He knows all my sins, so I can confess it to him, and that's fine. But yet, I think there's something beyond that that we need to practice. We believe in a communal God who calls us not only to be honest with God, but also with one another. Is there someone in your life that you trust that you can confess your sins to? I mean, for me, my wife is one of those people, unless my sin is against my wife, then, then you know, then I don't confess, usually. No, uh, I'll confess uh, after a while of the Holy Spirit convicting me, and if I was in the wrong, that is. Um, <laughs> right? But yeah, but at the same time, my wife is the, that person that I could come to to basically tell her, look, you know what, I messed up, or this is what I've done. And she's gracious and is accepting and supportive. And I've done that just more recently once, and it's, 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 there's a tangible difference confessing my sins to God, but then being able to also tell one other person about it. I'm not saying broadcast it on TikTok or anything like that, but to be able to share your brokenness and your, your just being able to confess that to another human being takes the weight off your shoulders in a different way than it is just with God. So, so I encourage you to find that one person who you can confess your sins to. As we become people 
and a church of goodness, we need to be people who are willing to tell the truth and speak the truth. We do this because we believe in a God of truth who is ready to forgive us. This does not happen by confessing to God alone, but to another human being and to have the courage and humility to ask for forgiveness to those we have harmed. Truth-telling as confession and repentance creates fertile soil for God to cultivate a culture of forgiveness, restitution, and reconciliation. Is there someone that you have harmed or wronged that you need to ask forgiveness for? I think this is where we need to start with if we want to be a church who speaks and lives the truth. It starts with us first. We need to be people who are willing to be honest with God, with ourselves and others, where we can admit to our sins and to seek forgiveness with God and with those we have harmed. Can I be honest, though, to say that this is very hard for us? It's very hard for us to be people who live in the truth. It can feel shameful. It can feel very uncomfortable or even painful. It takes courage. It takes humility. And more importantly, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to live in the truth. Jesus, John says in, later on in our passage that he is the advocate, that Jesus is the one that is advocating on our behalf. But then Jesus himself says he will send the advocate who is the spirit of truth. So we need to trust in the Holy Spirit to give us that courage. And we need to start living uh, and building this habit of truth-telling. Unless we can start being honest with the small stuff, it's going to be so hard for us to be honest with the big stuff. Spring Garden has had its shares of ups and downs. We recognize as a leadership that we have to be people who can form a church culture that responds to allegations with the spirit of humility and a desire for truth. We want to have this kind of posture because we believe in a God who walks and calls us into the light. I can't ask you to be honest, though, but I could only point you to Jesus who says he loves you. That he loved you so much that he came to die for you, for us, on the cross so that we can be forgiven and freed from sin. It is when we put our faith in Jesus, who is the truth, that we can truly know who we are. I called my sermon today uh, Honest Truth because I think we could be truthful without being honest. You know, we could, we could tell the truth, but it doesn't mean we are honest. And I believe we're called to be honest people. But we could only be honest if we could only accept who we are. I mean, we need to be able to embrace not only all the good things we like about ourselves, but all the bad things, the things that we need to confess our sins for. But we need to be able to embrace those and to know that God loves us even in our brokenness. And we need to be able to face that and to be honest with ourselves. Because when we do that, then, you know, I could be free from the lies that we hear, that we are who other people think about us, right? Half the time, we can't be honest with who we are because we're worried of what other people would think about us. But if we could get to a place of embracing who we are as God has made us with all of our good and, and, and the bad, and yet God says, I love you for that. When we can embrace that, then we can be honest with others uh, with who we are. And I think the more honest we can be, 
the more truthful we can be. So let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you. We thank you for who you are, that you are the light of the world, that you are the truth and the way and the life. Yet, it's so hard when you shine your light on us, on our lives, there are parts of our lives in the darkness that we hide or we suppress or we don't want to look at. And we don't know how to handle that. Um, and it can be painful and uncomfortable, yet Jesus, you want us to do the hard work because you love us. You're not doing this as a way to punish us, but because you want to free us from the, from the things that weigh us down, from the things that we hold on to, that, that, the half-truths or the lies that we, we live but thank you. We, we want to thank you, Jesus. And we want to have faith knowing that when we confess our sins, that you forgive us. That there is no sin that you won't forgive us for. That you'll stop loving us for. So give us courage. Give us faith, trusting that you love us, even if the world doesn't. Trusting that even when we admit to our mistakes, that there is grace. And we just thank you that, that you're a God of love, of forgiveness, of grace. That you want to reconcile us to not only yourself, but to one another. So may we be people and children of light. We will walk and live in the light. In Jesus' name, amen.